You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And you guys are tuning in to the first ever Mothball Prophecies bonus episode. Dun, dun, dun. Where we cover your stories. Yes, and we've gotten such good ones. Really great stories. And it was hard to choose what to share. We can't wait to share. We would like to turn this into a regular episode for you guys. Yes, so if you're sitting there like, oh, I have an interesting story, get a hold of us. Send it in. And, you know, um, it feels really cool to be in this spot. Yeah. Jill and I started planning this podcast a year ago in November. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, you guys have heard bits and pieces of it, but it, we never anticipated that it would have this much of a community so quickly. No, it's, it's super humbling to us and amazing and awesome. And honestly, we thought we'd be at this spot maybe five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And it's, you know, every Every other week, Jill and I sit and we just cry a little bit because we're so we're so thankful. And like Jill said, humbled and gobsmacked, really, continually. And we also enjoy so much that we have found so many people out there as curious as us about the stories behind everything. And yeah. It's really turned into a joy for the two of us. It ha- you know, and it's it's funny because they say when you find a job you love, it's not a job. Yeah. Like this just literally started out as a side thing for fun for us uh-huh. because we're both noisy. <laughs> yeah. And now it's this is what we look forward to at the end of the week because we record on Sundays mm-hmm. and it doesn't even feel like work. No. And it's I it's every week too. We talk about how well it's fit into our already busy lives Mm -hmm. and fit itself into our schedules and week after week, you know, writing a show and sitting down talking to somebody new, you know, there's some weeks I go like, Oh, what are we going to talk about this week? You know, I feel like we've talked about so much already. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Then we sit down with somebody and it's like, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's always it's funny, too, because it's like we could talk to the same person who collects the same thing, but their stories are like completely opposite. And that's the best part about all this. And it's changed, you know, the way I talk to like my clients at work, too, about Mm -hmm. uh, stuff that they're collecting or like there's some people I tell that I have a podcast and some people I don't. And then when I get like a conservative client, that's like, oh, what's their podcast about? I was like, I say the F word a lot in this podcast. <laughs> you just put it out there. Yeah, I'm like, I cuss a lot. And they're like, that's okay. <laughs> I had recently, um, I, well, it's the holidays, mm-hmm. and I was sick with the coronavirus. Both Jill and I had yes. COVID. And this has been a couple weeks ago since this episode airs. And uh, one of my guests messaged me and was like, hey, I left a present for you. And I was like, oh, it's always very sweet when people yeah. give you gifts, yeah. and especially at work. And, I get to work and there's a box, a big box on my station. And I was like, oh. And I open it up and I see, the first thing I see are machine embroidered tea towels (gasps) 
that are all garden themed. Oh. And I was like, exactly. I was like, oh my God. And then I see there's like, uh, like padded wrapping. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And I open it and inside of it was two uranium glass candy dishes. I love that and so much. I was like in tears in the back room. So it was my first appointment <laughs> back after being sick. And then they put a book in for my son, which is the collection of the little golden books. Like the oh, puppy. yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're incredibly thankful and we are very excited to share mm-hmm. uh, these stories from you guys. Yeah. Because without you, we don't have a show. We don't. We'd be talking to ourselves. These were so fun to read and get each time. Oh my it was gosh. like a treat. It was so funny too because like, you don't know what you're getting into until you really, and you're like, oh my, what? Um, so our first story comes from Anne in Milwaukee. Um, and she says, when my grandma was in her 40s and 50s, she was recently divorced and an empty nester. And so she finally got um, to be able to travel. She was a collector and was always buying weird little souvenirs and trinkets wherever she went. Somewhere along the way, she picked up this taxidermy puffer fish. Maybe a mobo. She wasn't sure. <laughs> Could you imagine the baby like looking at this big puffer fish? In the crib. Calm down. Look at your puffer fish. Don't touch it. <laughs> um, it hung from the ceiling and had little shells hanging from it. It was in her bathroom my entire childhood. And I remember sitting on the toilet looking at it. <laughs> Just making direct eye contact with this puffer Be fish. like, don't look at me. I'm having problems, all right? <laughs> don't judge me. Um, it was just so weird. Fast forward to after she's passed, I had totally forgotten about the puffer fish. Uh, my family was going through her stuff, and at the bottom of one of the bins was the puffer fish, and I lost it. Aww. I was pregnant at the time, so that didn't help, but I cried over that puffer fish for an hour. And it now hangs proudly in my bathroom. And I think of her every time I see it. Oh. I, so I died. Like, like. That's so sweet. That's so like, just like a puffer fish. Anybody else would look over that and be like, what the yeah. hell? I feel like when, you know, older people, when they die or, you know, they're coming to that time in their life and they're looking of what their family is going to keep. I know we all secretly hope that our family will keep what our mm-hmm. version of our puffer fish mobile is. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. She hung it in the bathroom. I do too. It seems <laughs> fitting. Like do like a tropical thing, you know, because I was super popular with the older group. Like yes. you had a tropical theme bathroom uh-huh. with the seashell soaps and like the, what was it? The resin toilet seat with mm-hmm. the shapes set into it. Yep. Like a motif. Yep. Yep. I'm glad that our generation got rid of uh, toilet decor. I'm pretty decor. sure our generation is going to bring it back somehow. I, yeah, that's going to. Should we start collecting? You remember the, like, over the toilet seat covers for like the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> I just the those Santa up. Claus staring I, at you as you come in. Yeah. Um, I grew up with brothers, so seeing anything carpeted in a bathroom makes me dry heave. Uh, anybody, regardless if you grew up with brothers or not, should make you dry heave. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Carpeted bathrooms are no go. No. This story we received uh, was one of our first listener submitted stories. And it is so cool. And I recently got to watch the resolution on his Instagram. 
um, and the pictures he posted of this gentleman. And it is, it's a little long, but it's so mm-hmm. awesome. It's, it's what we cool. all wish will happen to the items we find. Yes. Dear Mothball Gals, big fan of the show. I never miss an episode. I'm emailing in response to your Instagram story this morning, looking for interesting items or collections. I thought I'd share a neat story about an antique item that I found. As we all know, the story behind items can be the most interesting part, but the history of things you find in thrift stores, flea markets, and antique stores is rarely known. That turns many of us from treasure hunters into historians and archaeologists of sorts. Anyway, almost 20 years ago, when I was apparently a weird 17-year-old who collected old stuff, (laughs) heard that, I was at a local community college flea market and bought an old bass drum for $20. It dated to the mid-1960s and was originally a part of a full drum kit, but missing everything else. I bought it purely because I loved the artwork on the front, bright psychedelic lettering done very well in day glow colors. It said Southern California Exposition and Protest Musical Aggregation EK, which like, why? That's such a long name. I get it. But it's also like, guys, this is catchy. We're going to they're going to shout it, which I assumed to be the band name. I gave the bass drum itself to a friend of mine and kept the drum head just as a curiosity, managing to hold on to it over the years. Somebody clearly put a lot of effort into making it and it seemed like folk art. Eventually, I had it framed and it sits in my office. Early on, I tried searching online for any sort of clues about the unusual band name. Was this some kind of student coalition band protesting the Vietnam War? What's up with the weird name? Flash forward to the early days of COVID in March of this year. With more time at home than ever before, I tried Googling it one last time and I hit pay dirt. A man named Phil Cohn, who runs a cigar blog, posted an article with a few brief paragraphs reminiscing his high school band in the 60s called The Southern California Exposition and Protest Musical Aggregation. Of course, I instantly stalked Phil online to try and make contact and let him know what I had found all those years ago. He got back to me in a matter of minutes, absolutely stunned that I had found this thing and was able to make contact with him. Oddly, I asked Phil what EK meant on the drumhead. He laughed and replied, those are the initials for Elliot Kushel, our drummer. (laughs) Naturally, I wanted to connect with Elliot immediately, but Phil hadn't been in touch with him for many years. Another few hours of internet sleuthing, stalking. Later, I managed to get an email address for somebody named Elliot Kushel in Southern California who was around the right age and sent a basic email. This reads like Kate, bittersweet's Kate. Attaching a photo of the drum head. He got back to me right away in disbelief and I, that I had had this thing and recounted how his brother was a sign painter who did this for him around 1968 and talked about the band. Even better, I explained how I found this and how it led me to Elliot and then I put him and Phil back in touch. And the two guys spent a couple hours on the phone catching up for the first time in over 50 years. I can't even imagine. I am currently in the process of replicating the drum head with a sign painter friend so that I can return the framed original back to Elliot. He explained that his college age son was interested in having it back in the family. It makes me cry. I know. And that sounds right to me as well. I'll be bringing it to them hopefully in a couple of weeks. Photos attached here on his Instagram. Anyway, that's my stories. Apology if it's long-winded, but quite amazing to find something at a flea market that ends up reuniting friends 50 years later. Plus, it looks cool. Thanks, 
for the show. Thanks and keep up the show. It's great. So he posted the reunion of him hand delivering this to Elliot. Died. 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 This this man who's now in his 50s, Mm -hmm. the look on his face, he looked like it was the first day he had held that drum head. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause you can imagine like something happened, like he left it somewhere and somebody was like, Oh, we don't need this and got rid of it. And then he came back and he's like, where's my drum head? And they're like, Oh, right. You think it's long gone. It's bottom of landfill. Cause now- I've done that. Like yeah. I, ooh, I got rid of a ceramic, um, leopard. It's like oh, 1950s. No. I got rid of it cause my husband put it in a to go pile, but it wasn't meant to go. So now I'm on a hunt to replace oh, it. Shit. Yeah, because those are hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and I just, you know, we all, like he says, we all wish for that to happen. We all wish. Yes, because you always want to know what happened. Why is it here? Yeah. And he got to find out and yeah. he got to give it back and like friends. And it's like a Hallmark movie. Really? And, um, to be able to, for Elliot to pass that now on to his son. So what he ended up doing was he got an exact replica hand painted by his friend Mm -hmm. and then gave the original back. I love that. And still has it displayed. So he still has the story. Yeah. And I love that too. Like he could have easily just been like, nope, this is super cool. I'm keeping it. Finders keepers. Yeah. But that's that's why I love this community so much because they know that this meant something special to them and it needs to go back. Yeah. We're just the caretakers. Yeah. And you know, the the coolest fucking thing about the internet was is that. Yes. Right there. That. Yeah. Googling something and it not pinging anything for years and then just going, Well, we'll give it one last shot. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, this next story that we got stopped jill and i in our tracks <laughs> yeah we just were like well I, I literally read it three times yes because i didn't think i was like i'm not reading this correctly <laughs> this is false <laughs> okay so it says hi samantha and jill i went into mike's music last weekend and was chatting up the guys there and one of them told me about your podcast just started listening this week and love it my fiance and i just moved to idaho falls in june We lived in North Idaho for 10 years, but moved to Las Vegas last year to open a curio shop, but we had to close due to Corona and moved back to Idaho. We both, we were both circus slash sideshow performers for many years. We traveled with some amazing traveling museums and started collecting ourselves long ago. We collect oddities and have a huge collection. We are working on starting our own traveling museum to display our collection. We have lots of taxidermy, jarred specimens, weird gaff creatures, sideshow pitch cards, circus memorabilia, wax museum pieces, and movie and TV props. Mostly horror and B-movies. So cool. So cool. My favorite pieces is a Siamese cow, five-legged boar, dressed bride and groom fleas from the 1950s and a genuine mummy cat we are still organizing our shop since the move but if you'd like to come see our stuff sometime we'd be down to have you over we don't know that many people and i think you too may really enjoy seeing our collection we don't plan 
on opening a shop again, but do have some stuff on consignment down at the Shadow Domain. In the future, we want to have the museum and my partner Josh may start an entertainment company here in town since he juggles, does magic, eats fires, spins <laughs> plates, etc. Wow. Like just reading the list, I was just like, I hope you have a big house. <laughs> no doubt, right? Like I just see everything like a gallery wall or like everything's like, yeah. Well, then, you know, I was like ready to not be friends with them when they talked about the taxidermy that they have. Mm hmm. Like the, the double-headed animals and the multi-legged boar. Like, I would love to own, like, of course, it's on brand for me to want to own weird taxidermy. Yeah. But the fact that they were able to travel and kind of see the best of the best mm -hmm. or the worst of the worst. Yeah. Is fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's funny. We ended up with what you wouldn't assume would happen, but two sideshow circus stories yeah like in, in one episode and well in the submission aspect of it so you're welcome and it was funny we got um we got the one you just read second and we got this other one first and um i i'll read the follow-up conversation that i had <laughs> with him after this also so this one is from rj smith and the subject is that freaky guy rj smith as the son of a garbage picker Old things always fascinated me. It started off with coins with my dad when I was five and would go with him to clean out laundromats, which sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Then it spawned into other things like vintage Halloween and horror movie memorabilia. As a teen, I picked up random odd jobs during the summer with my uncle and his traveling carnivals, which exposed me to sideshows and circus acts. I enjoy the history of the freak show and learned to do human blockhead which helped me score several haunted house gigs. My collection reflects my journey of carny life. Hence, I collect vintage bearded lady pictures from the Victorian era, as well as other acts. I also have an old clown punk used in one of the games. Death also fascinates me. So of course my collection has old funeral home fans and vintage morning photos. I also collect wet specimens and animal skulls. The girlfriend freaked out over human skulls, which... <laughs> My collection is a mix of the odd and the macabre, and I wouldn't want it to be any other way. My prize piece is a vintage ice pick from the 1920s that fits perfectly in my sinus cavity for my human blockhead act. When I Ow. read that, I was just like, first of all, I want to sneeze. And then I sent him a message back and I was like, oh, my God, what happens if you want to sneeze? And he says to me, I don't even want to think about sneezing during that moment because it's in the back of my throat. Oh, see. And so right before you told me about the ice pick and all that, I had gotten tested for the coronavirus where they have to swab you up into oh, your <laughs> cavity. So the whole time I could just think like, oh, God, I can't. What? Oh, my God. I didn't even connect the dots on that. Yeah. <laughs> we are all currently living through the era of human blockhead tests. We are. But I mean, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I just, you know, I was always, um, I've always been fascinated with that part of circus mm -hmm. life and the sideshow aspect of it. And I always wondered, I was like, I just asked him, I was like, how did you... 
like, did you just teach yourself like trial and error? Like, how do you learn? How yeah. Because to... it's not like there's YouTube. No. And I same here, like those kind of sides. So things always fascinating because I just think it takes so much courage to say, hmm, I think I'm going to stick that up my sinuses. Yeah. I'd be like, no, my nurse brain says no. No, don't put anything up there. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. But watching those, like the sword swallowers and all that kind of stuff, I'm just like, you just looked at a sword and been like, hmm, I bet I could swallow that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I bet I could. Hey, what does that sword taste like? Yeah. Like, how pointy is it? Like, how long? Like, do you measure it from like your nose to your belly button? I think so. From what I've seen, like they, like... Eva, I'm sure everybody's seen the image of like a, a sword swallower where they like show it in front of their body and then they swallow it and then they bend over. God bless it. No, thanks. Um, so our next one is an in-house story. And I asked her to share it with us because it is one of the most endearing mm -hmm. stories. It's a beautiful way uh, to cap the listener stories of this episode yeah. because it is part of the reason we all collect and that's the story behind it. Hello, Mothballs. I'm so excited to find other people who love old stuff like I do. It's great to be able to share my collection with the world. One of my favorite pieces is a rosary that belonged to my great-grandma Von Stratton. She was a very devout Roman Catholic and prayed with it every day. My grandma brought it with her when she immigrated from Holland to the United States in the mid-1960s. The rosary is solid silver, much heavier than it looks. Attached to it, the crucifix is a small medallion or uh, medal of Pope Pius XII. He was elected to the papacy in 1939, but I believe the rosary itself is older. My grandma and I are not sure where her mother got it from, but I wouldn't be surprised if it came from humble beginnings. A rosary like this wouldn't have been hard to find in Holland in the first half of the 20th century. I keep it in a small blue crocheted bag that my grandmother's sister made for it sometime in the 1930s. It's a bit tarnished and has a bite mark in the centerpiece, courtesy of my grandmother, age four but it probably has more meaning to me than any other part of my collection. What she doesn't include in this story is this rosary was being held and prayed over during the Nazi mm -hmm. occupation of Holland. Yeah. And I'm going to fill in. I'm going to see if Kate will answer her phone because I want her to share this other side of what she didn't include. Let's see. Okay. And spell check. Hi. She's now here. <laughs> and I, um, we were talking before we started recording and I was talking about how your family helped the Jewish people during this time. But I goofed and said a ghetto. I was incorrect. Yeah. So what it was, um, my grandma is from the south of Holland in a city called Maastricht, which um, in better times is known for its carnival. Um but my great-grandpa was head of the underground Dutch resistance in the southern part of the country. Um, but Wasn't he also an officer in the Dutch army? Well, he, in his younger days, he was part of the Dutch mounted cavalry in oh. World War I. Holland was technically um, neutral, I believe, so he didn't go into combat, but he was in the army. Um, wow. So when the Second World War came around, even though he was older, um, he was in his 50s, 
but he still wanted to help. So he organized the underground, made sure that um, Jews got out of Holland, made sure to get, you know, paperwork forged when needed. All, all of the stuff that you hear about when you read about people who helped Jews during the uh, Second World War, that's what he did. Isn't that a good And he, he ended up in a camp for it. <sighs> so he was um, a, in a prisoner of war camp and a work camp. And I believe he was in for, I've heard, eight months. I think it's less than a year. They did eventually release him, but we don't know where or which camp he was in. Wow, that is amazing. And that rosary you write about belonged yeah. to his daughter, correct? No, that was his wife's rosary. Okay. So oh, my okay. great-grandma, his wife, Okay. Um, she was an extremely devout woman prayed every, every single day, was very, very Catholic. Um, but that was her rosary. And um, when she died, my grandma was still very young. She, I think grandma was maybe 12 when her mother died. And it was one of those situations where her husband had died from complications, that health complications from being in the camp. Wow. Um, he died quite young, uh, not very much longer after he had uh, gotten out. Wow. Um, and she just couldn't function without him. And grandma said that she died of a broken heart. She couldn't live without him. So oh. she just kind of followed him along. Oh, that's devastating. Yeah. So of the things that grandma brought with her to the United States, that rosary was one of them. And she packed that thing around with her until she gave it to me just a few years ago. And when she gave it to me, she told me the story of what it was. She said she didn't know exactly where it had come from, but she very, very pointedly told me about the bite mark in the middle of the rosary. <laughs> that she, she had said made, that, right? Yeah, that was her. She said she was about four and she <laughs> remembers it because her... <laughs> so her mom is like, kneeling down praying for the night and she comes up and you know is giving her mom hugs and stuff and starts chewing on the rosary because you know why not it's shiny <laughs> yeah right and kids four-year-olds <laughs> exactly and her mom never had it fixed so you know I've, i it's an incredible piece of history and i've held this rosary in my hands and it feels important and it feels heavy with memory mm-hmm and it's not yeah. really a lot to look at. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's part of why I like it so much. It's an extremely sparse design. The The crucifix itself is very plain. There's very little ornamentation on the whole yeah. thing. And it it's... Um, I think that's part, of, that's part of why it's hard to figure out where it's from because it's so common looking. Yeah. It's a very utilitarian rosary. Yeah. Yes. If there ever was one. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this, a sweet story about them receiving a dog yes. that I love so, at the so, same time uh, <laughs> I have uh, a photograph of my grandma. It's my grandma, Mickey. It's my dad's mom from uh, just after the war. So it would have been probably 1946, I think, but it might have been a little bit before that. Um, it's of her parents and and she's standing in front of them and her dad is holding a dog and the dog was given to my grandma by an American soldier when Holland was, um, liberated. Gosh, the word just, yes. Thank yeah. you. When Holland was liberated, 
uh, it's this moppy little dog, and and honestly, I always thought it was so weird. Why why did the whole soldier have a dog? But he gave this dog <laughs> to my grandma, and at the time she only spoke Dutch, and he said, "Here, here is a puppy." He gave the puppy to the little girl, and my grandma, not speaking any English, said, "Oh, puppy, that's his name." So the dog was called Puppy oh. until its death. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's incredible. I can't handle that. And I I have the only existing photograph of this dog and I also it's also the last photograph of her parents together. Oh, I didn't know that. And I believe it's it's one of the few photographs cuz it's the actual photograph. It's one of the few photographs she has uh or um c- that currently exist of her as a child. Wow. My my dad has a couple of her um, when she was little posing in front of the graves of soldiers because in Holland after the liberation and it continues today there there's still a cultural thanking of the the US soldiers liberating the country oh. and so wow. it was not wasn't uncommon for children to be photographed in front of the graves as kind of a way to say thank you oh that's incredible that's so amazing that's yeah. beautiful. Well, hey, thanks, Spellcheck, for yeah. Thanks for clearing that up. Stopping cooking dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real time curio corner. This story. Absolutely, I love sharing my family history, and it. I am very proud to be Dutch. I'm very proud of what my family did, and I brag about my grandma, who's still all alive. The time. By the way, <laughs> she she's... is. She's still alive. She lives here in town. Yeah, she's incredible. That's awesome. Well, send me if she if they're okay with you sharing them. I'd love to share the rosary and the picture of them with the soldiers and the puppy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I will send all the pictures and stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Kate. You're go welcome. back and go back to dinner with your family. We yeah. won't interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. I mean, that's why I had to call her because there's so much more to that story than I could put justice that to. That is like there's no words. Yeah. There's no words. So that is oh, that's a weird segue. I'm gonna segue into Patreon. We're just going to ramble, but not include any of the numbers. I was like, wait a minute. What are we doing? Hold on. You saw my face. (laughs) Another exciting thing we wanted to talk to you guys about coming into the new year. We have been kind of teasing you over the past couple months about something we are launching this month in January. We are going to launch a Patreon for the show. A couple of listeners have asked, and we would love to keep the show as ad-free as possible, as long as possible. Yes for you guys and a great way to do that is through patreon supported content and me being a consumer and jill being a consumer we wanted to create something for everybody that makes it feel like it's worth your while to support our content yeah and we just want to we want to bring you little extras when we can Mm -hmm. so we will be going live on instagram the end of the week of this episode Um, This episode will be coming out in New Year's. We will be going live. We'll post everything and have everything posted to go through everything that is the Patreon. Yeah, you can find it on our Instagram, The Mothball Prophecies, and also on our website, themothballprophecies.com. Yes. And it will have all the information and there will be three different tiers to choose from Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to make sure everybody feels like they're included. Yes. And there'll be extras for each tier. 
and we are collaborating with Melco Leather for one of the tiers. Spellcheck's helping out with one of the tiers. We have Jasmine and Kyla of Corkscrew Curiosities helping out. And Riley from Darling Ditties. Yes, it has really been a team effort. And I can say that about 90% of what is included is handmade, repurposed vintage by Jill and I and the and uh, Mel Cohen and Spellcheck. Our, and our crew. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to keep it as authentic to us as we could. Yes. And I think we really like hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. or the head on the nail. Whatever. Yeah. You get it. We really are putting our heart and soul into this, guys. We want to make sure it's something we would want. Yeah. 100%. And so we're hoping you guys enjoy it too. We can't wait for you to see it. We've worked really hard. The girls have worked really hard. Um, and we're really, really proud of what we've created for you. To see those tiers, be sure to pay attention to our Instagram this week. Mm-hmm. We will be releasing all of the bits about it over the coming week. Yeah. We couldn't do this without any of you guys. Uh, we, Like we said in the beginning, we didn't dream anywhere near big enough for what you guys are doing no for us. you guys have gone above and beyond what we thought this was going to be and we can't thank you enough for that we're so thankful yeah so so thankful we hope to continue to bring you guys really fantastic stories and create interest about the rusty dusty things you see every day and if you know somebody who would make some good stories let us know send them our way and As always, I hope you find some good shit. And I hope you remember to look under the tables. Bye. See ya.